0: Hello and welcome to Good News That Actually Is, where 3 to 5 sets you free to thrive. 3 to 5 minute encouragements to help your joy by empowering your soul. I am your host, Tim Ashley. all need someone in our life that we feel confident we can trust and that's something every human being wishes to have and whenever we experience a lack of trust in a relationship of great importance we struggle in our soul it happens every time anytime a person proves they can't be trusted your relationship with them suffers and if you know someone whose word has been proven unreliable, you find yourself unable to put stock in anything they tell you. That's not a secure feeling relationship. Proverbs would say it this way, an unfaithful man is like a foot out of joint. You can't, you can't put weight on it. It will fail you. There's no security in that kind of sensation, that kind of reality. You know what I'm saying? So, how can you have any depth of relationship with someone you cannot trust? A good and strong character lends itself to being able to be trusted. On the flip side, a weak and questionable character lends itself to not being able to be trusted. There's a lot of people that have ruined their ability to be trusted that would claim that they're being unloved by those that don't want to give the lion's share of their time to them anymore because they've proven so unreliable and even at times dangerous. Such is life today. So when a person is in a relationship where there is no trust... It's usually because the untrusting person fears breaking free of that relationship for one reason or another. And we see this in abusive situations in life. Uh, Although there's no trust, the person remains in the relationship out of fear. But there's no warmth of love in those types of relationships. And when you're in the mix of that kind of relationship, you don't walk away the impression those people really like each other. They're really appreciative of Very honoring and respectful of one. You don't get that impression at all, do you? It feels awkward when you're in that situation. Now this is what dead religion offers and why fear is so it's used so wide, widely within dead religion. The only way to keep people is by making them fear what, happen, what would happen to them if they left. That's the idea. Dead religion doesn't equip you to seek and understand real relationship with God as your father. That's not what they're there to do. They would rather you view God as one who's more ready to punish you than he is to love you. That's dead religion. Now, my mom lived for many years with my abusive dad because she did not know what might become of her or her boys if she were to leave him. She stayed with him out of fear. There was no warmth of love evident, no depth to their relationship due to the lack of trust between the two of them. There was only accusation and suspicion. See, where there's a relationship with no warmth of love due to mistrust being Basically, the fruit of it, which is because somewhere along the line, character wasn't there, you know what I'm saying? The, the fruit of a situation like that is suspicion and even accusation. You know, therapists the world over say that a person is only as healthy As their closest relationships. If we want to know how healthy your soul is, all we need to do is find out who your closest relationships are. If a person has unhealthy, untrusting relationships, they themselves are not healthy. What would make you so needy that you need an untrusting, dangerous relationship in your life? That's not healthy. Therapists also state that current circumstances are not the reason for an unhealthy mental state. They have concurred that an unhealthy mental state is due to a person lacking someone they can trust and be open and honest with. And these situations lead a person to feeling very alone and unconnected even if they're surrounded by people. Because trust is what connects us. It is not sameness. S-A-M-E-N-E-S-S. It is not sameness that connects us. Your depth of connection is not based on what you share in common as much as it is when you can share trust. The way a relationship grows deeper is it must first grow in trust. And for it to grow in trust, there must be some confidence in the character of the individual you're hoping to have deeper relationship with. In other words, if they give you their word, it counts for something. You, You see what I mean? They're not always going back on their word with you. They're not always... Being something other than what they promised they would be in your life and situation. Now, it goes the other way too. That, if that relationship is going to grow, they could be as faithful as the day is long. But if you're the one that's unreliable, the relationship can't grow. There's going to be a problem in the relationship. See, trust is what connects us. It connects us. So how does this matter of a lack of trust impact our relationship with God as our Father? How does it impact our affections for Jesus? Where does it lead us when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because believe it or not, trust is a huge component of your soul being healthy. It's one of the key components of your soul being healthy. In Isaiah 26, three, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he what? Trust in you. You're not at peace when you're not trusting God. When you have faltered in your trust towards God, your peace leaves your life. And you become a battleground. And everybody that's trying to relate with you is getting wounded on your battleground. And in your mind, it's their fault. (laughs) When in truth, it's not. It starts with you. Because if you were trusting, you wouldn't be blaming so frequently, so often. You wouldn't be criticizing so freely. You wouldn't be complaining so avidly about how they're not doing enough for you in life. When we get away from our trust in God, it doesn't just affect our soul. It starts to affect all the relationships in our sphere. Because we start demanding more out of people than they are capable of giving to us. Which puts undue strain on that relationship. And causes us to bring accusation to the forefront, saying that they don't love us, they must not care about us, they must, or they would, otherwise, they would, you fill in the blank. And all this goes back to our trust level with God. I believe one of the more healthy disciplines. A follower of Jesus can engage in is recounting the faithfulness of God in their lives. See, we can tend to forget things fairly easy if we ignore the significance of them when they occur. You can. And the way you know you're getting into a a problem situation in your own soul about this is when you hear somebody being positive about the things God has given them and it aggravates you. You hear somebody saying something positive about something God has given them. And, and inside, you're not saying it, but inside you're seething. You're like, yeah, this is just, eh. I wish they'd take their, and you'll even swear that they're doing it falsely. They're just saying this to get at my goat. No, they're not. They're saying it to give God praise. That's why they're saying it. Let me give you a great, for instance, you can say, love what is yours. And it just, it's it's like hot water being poured over some people. What's wrong with saying that? That's a credible statement. Love what belongs to you. Love what God's given you. Love the gifts he's put in your life. Love what is yours. As opposed to what? Hating it despising it, complaining about it, feeling like it's not enough. Are you with me? And so you you make that statement and you get blasted. I'm so sick of hearing you say, love, what is yours? Where is the problem? Is it with the person saying, love, what is yours, or the person that's got a problem with you saying, love, what is yours? You know what I'm saying? Where's the problem? See, you can discern when your soul's in trouble by just simply paying attention to what aggravates you. Someone tells you, man, the Lord just blessed me, man. He did this. And you're like. They're not your problem. You are. (laughs) Am I making sense? The Lord healed me. (sighs) Didn't heal me. Quit thinking that way. Don't let yourself go there. It's not good for your soul. And the Lord would be, his desire is that you'd be healthy and prosper even as your soul is healthy and prospers. See, we need to be equipped to fight the good fight not by bold and brash statements that we make but by how we govern our own personal attitude in this life especially when difficulties are upon us we tend to forget things fairly easily if we ignore the significance of them when they occur. And this is why giving thanks thanks to God and recognition of, of God being at work in our lives is such great value to us. It lends itself towards building up our trust in God. When you recount the, the faithfulness of God in your life, it, it builds, it builds, it's like building muscle memory. When you do something repetitively, I was teaching my grandson about throwing the football. I said, you need to get your mechanics down. You need to make sure you got the laces in the right position. Your fingers are spread just so because you get power on the throw when you release the football. You've got to go through and just going through the mechanics. And I said, if you do this repetitively, you practice this. Before long, it's just second nature. As soon as you pick up a football, boom, you throw it. It's a spiral. It goes to the target. You aim it at. Boom, it's there. Why? Because you built muscle memory you build into your soul a spiritual memory you build it in and the way you build it in is through thanksgiving and praise you build it in you build it in even when the times are difficult you build it in and it strengthens you It lends itself towards building up your trust in God. It seems to fit right in with the counsel of Scripture in Proverbs 3, verses 3 through 7, where it says simply this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Now, it's not saying that they will. It's saying that it will seem like they did to you if you're not doing your part. Of remembering, recalling, giving thanks, making yourself praise when you don't feel like praising. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. People love to be around pleasant people. They run from complainers. Sane people run from critics and complainers. I don't know anybody who says, "I just can't wait for Friday night to get here when we get to have dinner with my, my most avid critics." <laughs> They're just going to roast me all night. They're going to tell me everything I did wrong, how imperfect I am, how ugly I look. I just can't wait. If we met somebody like that, we'd say, dude, what drug are you on? What is wrong with you? But how many people can't wait when every time you've been with this particular person, it's been an uplifting encouraging, strengthening encounter. To my shame, (laughs) I have to admit, (laughs) my mower broke down again. I was working on it just the other night. Timothy wanted to come over and see what I was doing. And the girl said, you don't want to do that. I said, no, it's okay. They said, nah, he doesn't want to do that because their anticipation is is if I get aggravated with the mower, it'll be an unpleasant experience. But I really was in a good attitude about the mower, but I've been in enough bad attitudes before that, you follow what I'm saying? What was their reaction based on past experience? You don't want to hold the flashlight, trust me. Right? So if I'm going to get rid of that, I have to create some pleasant experiences with holding the flashlight. I'll have to be able to produce that or there's going to be a a reluctance to want to do this with me, right? It'd be like somebody who... They say, let's, let's, let's go get lunch. And you, you go to lunch, and you're sitting there, and they bring the plate. This is no good. They didn't do this right. They didn't do that right. I hate this. I think I'll send this back. Send that back. And they bring another. You send the next one back, and the person across the table is just embarrassed to beat the band. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm paying for this. I should send it. There's, there's a fine line, you know. So. They're like that, and then they turn around and say, you know, we ought to do vacation. And you're like, I'm busy that week. (laughs) Now, if I've ever not done vacation with you, I'm not saying you're that person, okay? Okay. But you, I'm just using it as an example here. People like to be around folks who are pleasant. They're attra- you're attracted to pleasant people. You're not, you're not attracted to negative. If you're attracted to negative complaining people, we need to find out what's going on in your soul. Why are you attracted to that? You know what I'm saying? Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just part of it. The goal of the follower of Christ is to grow in trust towards God. In all the heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. How many of your ways? All. All. And he shall direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, when this speaks of fearing the Lord and departing from evil, I believe it's advising us to make sure we're not walking with a heart of unbelief towards God. We shouldn't walk in unbelief towards God the Father or Christ the Son or the Holy Spirit. Because all three are God. This is not about, well, I'll trust the Father because He's a nurturing part of the Godhead. I'll even trust the Son. He was willing to lay down His life. But that Holy Spirit thing, I'm not so sure about. No, it's all three. God is who God is. He's all three. We don't pick and choose. We train our heart to trust. We train our heart to trust. Now, the call of God in the new covenant is to come into his rest. The generation that left behind the slavery of Egypt and witnessed all the miracles of God, all that he did to bring them out, they failed at doing that. They failed. They trusted more in what they could do as opposed to what God offered to do, and it didn't turn out well for them. They pretty much got most of what they complained about. Not because God gave it to them, but because God, instead of intervening, let it happen. If you're not going to trust in God and you're going to trust in your own way, you get the fruit of your own way. You're playing the lottery. You'll be playing the lottery. Look at Hebrews 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Don't start questioning God's goodness. Don't start questioning God's faithfulness. Don't start questioning God's reliability. Don't start questioning his mercy. Like they did in the rebellion. He brought us out here to die. Is what they said. God is most glorified when we are at rest, because we're trusting in what He has said and done on our behalf. And when we take Him at His word, He is glorified. It testifies to His goodness, ability, and reliability. In Creole, they, the way they say this is they say "banjiban tuta, tuta banjiban, banjiban tuta, tuta banjiban." God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. These are people under dire straits. They're wondering from week to week how they're going to feed their families. You know, is another earthquake going to hit because they don't have anything already as it is. And if that comes, then they're living out under the stars subject to the elements and then a tropical storm or hurricane could come in right on the heels of the earthquake like it recently did while you're living under the stars and they're going around saying banjiban tuta tuta banjiban think about that When we take God at His word and we trust Him, the circumstances can't dictate how we should feel, how we should respond, or how we should carry ourselves. We get to walk in confidence and quietness, knowing that whatever comes our way, God is with us and He will bring us through. He's going to bring us through. Now, if we're meant to fight... He'll direct us on how to go about it so that it's evident he won the battle. He doesn't call us to act like the world acts. He he doesn't expect us to take on a Hollywood action movie star attitude and demeanor about it. (laughs) Trust me, you don't want to say to the devil, go ahead, make my day. (laughs) He'll take up the challenge. And when you speak that way in a lack of humility, you're not up for the challenge. We can calmly go about our business knowing that if he's for us, who can be against us? I love that the way the scripture says that in a dispute over the body of uh, of Moses, uh, Michael, the archangel with Satan, he didn't say, Satan, get out of my way. Satan, you better look out. He says, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And it's in the context of a scripture of of people who cannot recognize dignitaries, authorities, etc. And arrogantly, they say things and they do things that is out of step with their context and who they are and what they're called to do. Do you know what you're called to do? Or are you trying to fight somebody else's fight? You're not called to fight somebody else's fight. You've not been given authority for that battle. You're given authority for the battle that God put you in. And you better know which one he put you in if you're in one. You better start asking yourself, am I in the right fight? Did God call me to this fight? Your soul might be about to suffer needlessly because you're on the wrong hill. Man, I'm giving you some good tidbits of wisdom here if you'll take it this morning, okay? We glorify God when we function from a place of resting in Him. See, trust, unlike timidity, is a manifestation of humility. Trust is quiet confidence. Timidity is fearful apprehension. Right now, there's a lot of timidity going around. And some are trying to claim they're moving out of trust. But when you lash out of insecurity, you take on the Hollywood movie star attitude. See, it is in quietness and confidence that is your strength. Not in how mad you can look, not how mean you can come across, not in how... Much you can brag about, you're fighting prowess. See, the devil gets nervous when he can't rattle you. When he can't jerk your chain, he's like, "Uh uh-oh. This one's gotten hold of something. This one's gotten hold of something. Trust, unlike timidity, is a manifestation of humility. It's like Earl Cullum when he was in Mexico and his camper got pulled over and a young man is poking him in the gut with an automatic weapon and saying to him in Spanish, you know, what do you think about this? And Earl just very quietly says, I think it's perfect evidence of how your mother raised you. And the young man just looked at him, pulled the gun out of his gut, was taken back by that. And Earl said, I wonder what she'd think of you now. And they left him alone. Never raised his voice. Didn't clench his fist wasn't thinking about which one he was going to take out first because this was not a Hollywood movie. This was a real threat with real bullets, with real stuff. We are in the hour of facing some real threats. Hollywood attitude will not get you through these very real threats. But confidence in your God will. Trust is quiet confidence. Timidity is fearful apprehension. Can I tell you, you're never going to please God because you're making decisions out of fear. We can mask our fear with toughness. I remember being surrounded by about 13 guys in a skating rink one time. All telling me what they planned to do to me. I was scared to death. But how did I mask that fear? With toughness. So I bent down and started unlacing my skate. They said, what are you doing? I said, when I get these skates off, the one that was talking to me first, I said, you're the first I'm going to kill. And then I'm going to start with you and you and you all the time scared to death, hoping that this is going to (laughs) work. Maybe if I'm just crazy enough. And sure enough, the one with the biggest mouth backed away because, see, they had no discernment to know that I was saying and being tough because I was scared half to death. Toughness is not the answer. Confidence in your God is the answer. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest... Let us fear. Lest any of you seem to have come short of it. The thing to be afraid of is not what's happening in our world right now. The thing to be afraid of is I will get outside the place, the realm of his rest because of it. That's the thing to fear. You can't pretend away what's happening. You can't isolate yourself sufficiently enough to escape it all. You can turn off the news. You can abandon social media. But as soon as you go to the grocery store, you're going to run into it. As soon as you go to the workplace, you're going to run into it. You're going to encounter challenges, and they are going to increase in number. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to prepare you. They're going to increase in number, and the only way you're going to know how to deal with each and every one is if you're growing in your trust towards God. Because then and only then can you quietly and confidently navigate your way through the complex issues of our day. You will have an answer. Jesus standing before Pilate. Pilate saying what he's got to say to him. Are you the son of God? Jesus answer. You say that I am. He's calm. He doesn't say, You say I am. (laughs) None of that. Just, You say I am. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus is calm. When Pilate says, Don't you understand, man, I have the power to kill you? Jesus is very matter of fact. Say, You don't have any power unless my father gave it to you. Therefore, those who handed me over to you are more guilty than you are. He's calm. He's resolved this matter in the garden. How did he resolve it? Your will. I need to know your will. Once I know your will, I'm equipped to do whatever it takes. But I need to know your will. There's a lot of people trying to navigate tough situations right now without any, any hint of what the will of God is for their life in this situation. And I'm like, you need to get where you understand the will of God for you. Not through another person. You and the Father Settled the matter. It's critical right now that believers get this practice taken care of. Hearing from God, you're not going to be able to navigate what is coming if you're unable to hear from God. Your confidence in hearing through someone something is not as as profound as when you hear it yourself from the spirit of the living God. From the mind, the heart, and the mouth of the Father through the Holy Spirit in your heart of hearts. You hear what God is speaking. That's when you cannot be moved. But see if all you hear is from me and I'm not saying you shouldn't listen. And you should treat it as if you're hearing from the Lord. But that's a, that's a bit of a stretch for many people. But if you're, if you're hearing from me, then that could get challenged quite easily through another source. All it takes is another source that you think to be a little more credible than I am. All they have to have is Ph.D. on the end of their name. And you'll throw out what I said to you. You need to hear from your father. You need that relationship so active and alive, so vibrant in your own being that you are being guided by him in your decision making processes. Let us fear. Lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Notice how God uses the gospel... To establish rest. If you want to know why I keep on the gospel, it's how you enter into rest. It's the good news of what Christ has done that allows us to cease from our own works. God cannot be glorified by Christians acting anxious and wearing themselves out to prove their devotion in an effort to merit His intervention. Right. Right. When you're in that frame of mind, you've always come up short so you have no expectation for God to come through. You're already entering into the battle with the wrong tools, with the wrong equipment, and you're going to get beat up. Rest requires us to stop trying to merit. Stop. Trust. Hebrews 4.10 says, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his on the Sabbath day. God is honored when we trust him, believing in his good character revealed through Jesus. It pleases God when we respond to circumstances and situations from a place of faith and trust in him. It pleases him. And that's why we need to ask ourselves... What would a confident gospel based response look like in this situation? What would it look like in this situation? How did Jesus respond to sickness? How did he respond to demonic oppression and possession? How did he respond to the need of hunger? How did he respond to the need for a miracle? What was his testimony of the Father in all of these situations? What was his testimony? Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, and he provided clear evidence of the character of God as a Father. Jesus endured a lot to make sure we would know what the character of the Father looks like in action. Not just in theory, but in practice. He wants us to have a healthy relationship, not a religious one. Religious is just knowledge-based. It's the idea that if I can understand the text, that's as good as. No, it isn't. Relationship breeds faith. Religion can breed knowledge while doubt And death remain. You don't believe me? You can talk to religious people that will tell you, well, the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died on the cross, rose again the third day, ascended to heaven. He's coming again soon. And if you believe in him, you can be saved. And I sure hope that I get to heaven. Really? You hope you get to heaven? You're saying that you understand that the message of the gospel is Christ did it all but what would keep you at it well i you know i'm i don't always live the christian life the way i ought to i don't pray as much as i should i don't read the bible like i ought to i know i should do better but it's hard for me sometimes and i can't i can't get beyond it i've got this issue playing out in my life i just can't i can't get past it i can't so you're identifying with your failure Like a that's religion. Religion wants to identify with your flesh. Relationship wants to identify with who you are now, that you are in Christ. And when you start getting to that place where you're realizing this is who I am now that I'm in Christ, you live beyond and above that place that you've been prisoner to for so long. That's how you break the chains. That's how you break the chains. The more you trust God, the more you love him. In any relationship where trust grows, love for one another increases. Thanks for tuning in today. Never forget that you are loved by a faithful God whose obedient son, Jesus Christ, willingly died on a cross so that you can live today and always from the abundance of his life in you. Please subscribe and share this with others so they too can experience the three to five that sets you free to thrive. And be sure to tune in next time to Good News That Actually Is. Please visit us at our website, goodnewsthatactuallyis.com. There you'll find transcripts of the program, video files, and other opportunities. We look forward to visiting with you there and ask you to subscribe. Have a great day.